Okay, everybody needs a handout because I'm not putting the verses on the screen. The verses are in the handout. If you're digital, you can get it off the YouTube link. Um, but uh, we're starting a communication series this week. Uh, I, I thought I would title it tonight, Watch Your Mouth, okay? Um, what, I'm, what I'm trusting the Lord to do is to have 10 commandments of speech. So there's more than 10 commands regarding our speech in the Bible, so I've been working to categorize them and harmonize them. Uh, to, you know, I don't want to rest the scriptures, but I just want to kind of get them to all line up so I can make it 10 commandments. We'll see if I'm able to do that or not. Um, pray for me. I'm, I'm working on it. Once you've got your notes, grab your Bibles, turn to, to James chapter 3. And tonight I just want you to see the, the power, I, I, I want you to see the power of your tongue. Uh, we're just going to introduce this series tonight and, and talk about why we need it so desperately. We're looking at the power of the tongue, and you just want to get this down to your notes right off. What you say, your words are more powerful than you know. Your words are very powerful. You say, I don't know. Nobody listens to me when I speak. I, I don't know that my, my words have any power at all. Well, consider what God says about them. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What are the qualifications there? Check out your neighbor. Do they have a tongue? Just turn to your neighbor and say, ah, right there. Uh, power of death and life. Just right there. And they that love it eat the fruit thereof. Okay, so that, just considering that biblical concept, let me ask you a question. Let's say you've got somebody, every time you talk to them, I mean, it's just terrible. It's just terrible. It's not life-giving, it's life-draining. Don't you avoid terrible talkers whenever you can? You see them coming for, for you across the room, right? They're crossing the street. You check out your, oh, hey, look at the time, and off you go, you know. I mean, some people are the worst. Every time you meet with them, you feel the worst for having had the interaction. Now, conversely, do you ever wonder if people don't really like having to talk to you? Like, are you one of those people that every time you're engaged in conversation with someone, you are just literally destroying them? You're sucking the life out of them like some emotional vampire. According to Scripture... Here it is, death and life are in the power of the tongue. According to scripture, your words have the power to shape reality. And this is, this is dangerous, right? Here's the danger. Once you release those words, you can't bring them back. They're out there working. They're out there accomplishing stuff. You remember this Sunday, I gave you this story about Alan coming up to me saying, hey, Sam, I think, you know, it looks like you're, you're attending this church. I would love to have you. Go through discipleship one. What's discipleship one? Well, it's just 16 Bible lessons. Oh, hold it right there, Pastor. I grew up in Bible club. I already know all the Bible stories. In just one sentence, in just one statement, Alan Shelby found out how, how ignorant and how arrogant I was in just one moment. Like, that's one of the times of my life I wish I could go back in time and just tell that kid, shut up. Just listen to him. 
I, I wish I could bring, I wish I could take those words back. Here's the worst thing. This is the worst thing of all. God holds you accountable over every single word you say. Did you get that in your notes? God will hold you accountable over every single word you say. Matthew chapter 12, 36, Jesus says, but I say unto you, here it is, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. What you say, you're gonna explain yourself over those statements when you meet Jesus. For by thy words, thou shalt be justified, and by thy words, thou shalt be condemned. Now that, to me, is a major problem, especially when you consider that every single person who has ever lived is a hypocrite. They say one thing, but they live another. They say one thing, but they do another. They do another. Look at Matthew 7, verse 1. Jesus tells us, right, he tells his people, he tells the, 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 the children of Israel, judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured you again. God's going to judge you in part by your own standards. And everyone, if they will examine themselves, you're going to find pockets, areas of gross hypocrisy in your heart and life. You hold other people to a higher standard than you hold, your, hold yourself to. So he gives an illustration in verse 3. Is, is, I don't know, I just like to imagine this scenario and it, I get the giggles sometimes. Why beholdest thou the mote, little speck, in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam, right? The stick. I mean, you got a spot, a, 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 just a speck versus a stick. Uh, the beam that is in thine own eye. I mean, like, how do you see the speck in somebody else's eye when there's a beam in yours? It's incredible. But that's how hypocrisy works. Or, here it is now, here are the words. Or how wilt thou say, there it is, to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt clearly see to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. So God help us. We need to, we need to humble ourselves. We need to consider ourselves and what we say, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So if every person speaks hypocritically, they don't, they don't come through on what they say. They don't measure up to what they say their standard is. Then on top of that, God's saying anything that you say can and will be used against you in a court of law... In other words, you're going to give an account for every word. That ought to cause us to tremble a little bit. It ought to cause us to consider. You ought to turn to your neighbor and tell him, watch your mouth. Right? That's what we need to do. That's what we need to hear. So James shows us just what is at stake over how we speak. And in explaining the danger he uses this example of a leader, an instructor of God's people. Look at what James says in James chapter 3, verse 1. He says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle 
the whole body. How do you bridle the whole body? We're going to talk about that in a second. I, uh, you may be wondering why it, James chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 are all scrambled like that. I thought I would do a promo for the, for the Bible school this semester. If you haven't taken the English and grammar class that's being offered this quarter, uh, you want to take that. And in that class, and I'm teaching one of the lectures on block diagramming. Um, Melissa will have to grade my work. Maybe you could grade my work and, and give me a grade later. But there it is. There's a simple block diagram of, of James. And what we're going to talk about in the class is how it helps you to see the, just the, 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 the associations between words, between clauses and, and dependent clauses and modifying statements. And it's just a, 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 just a simple but elegant way for you to get your head around what the text is actually saying. And so the way you do that is you've got it in a word processor and, and you go out to an item or a clause, a full clause, um, you know, noun subject verb or a verb subject. And, uh, and then what are the modifying statements? And so you, you, you come out to where you, you see something that needs modified, and what you do is you just hit the return key, and then you indent over. And then that, that new phrase or that next section of text is now a modifying statement to what comes before it. And so in this case, who is James talking to in chapter 3? Well, his brethren. He's talking to believers. What's he saying to them? And so this is the message to those brethren. Be not many masters. So that's a command, isn't it? He's telling them what to watch out for. Why? Well, that's the next phrase. And so it indents over, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Oh, there's a judgment in the mix. Well, why, why is there a greater condemnation? Well, verse 2 tells you why. Sometimes there's just some areas where you just can't win. For in many things we offend all. James is one of the masters. And he's like, man, admit, there are many, right? There are many things. We just offend everybody. We can't win with anyone. And you just need to know that if you're going to be an instructor, a pastor, a teacher of God's people. Then he contrasts the mature and wise teacher. He says, if any man offend not in word, okay, here's a guy that can win with people. Who is he? Well, the same as a perfect man. So I bolded that and I put an underline, because that's the guy that I wanna, that's the guy that I wanna be. That's the, that's the model that I wanna be conformed to. Right, the mature, what we're seeing in this second half of verse two is how the mature manifest themselves to others. How are they not offending in the word, right, with their word, in word? Well, the last phrase is they're able to bridle the whole body. They're disciplined in the flesh. If you're going to bridle a horse, what do you do? You put a bit in its mouth, right? There's a control that's placed in its mouth, and that's how you bridle a horse. Well, you, you, you need to be bridling yourself, and James talks about this. This is the goal, to be perfect, to be mature. That's the usage here, to be perfect, means a mature man or woman of God. Mature is your next blank. 
So to win in our communications, to not offend in word, means we're going to have to be disciplined in the flesh. Psalms 37 shows you the example, illustrates for you the perfect man. It says, mark the perfect man. You ought to have people that you're watching. Mark the mature man. Mark the perfect man. And behold the upright. Why? Well, because they don't offend in the word. For the end of that man is peace. Now contrast that with the foolish man, the transgressor. In verse 38, the transgressors shall be destroyed together. Again, remember in, 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 in some of these Psalms, you see it a lot in the Proverbs, you'll see contrasting couplets, right? Compare, uh, comparisons uh, in, in, in passages. Well, here you've got a perfect man versus a transgressor. Uh, they sh the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. So mark the perfect man, behold the upright, because you want to follow that example. This is God's goal for every believer. For every believer, God wants to perfect us, to mature us, to conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, Ephesians chapter 4 tells you this is why he gave you many masters. Right? This is what James is talking about here in James chapter 3. This is the reason God gave us instructors, teachers, and pastors. Verse 11 says he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? Why did he do that? Well, to bring us to a place of maturity as believers in Christ, to conform us to his image. Verse 12 says it, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in unity of the faith, so that we all know our Bible, and the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to notice the consistency of the Word of God. Mark the perfect, right? Isn't that what Psalms 37, uh, 37, 37 said? Mark the perfect man and behold the upright. How do the mature live? Okay, if you are coming to unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man... What's the result? Verse 14. Notice that you are now stable. Stable is your next blank. That we be no more henceforth children tossed to and fro. Children tossed to and fro. Who's the smallest person in the room tonight? I need the smallest person in the room. Very quickly. Is there a child back there? Two years old, oh, we can't do that. that well, uh, last thing I need is a baby squalling up. Okay, come here, Kimball, just real quick. You gotta run, 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 run. That's not running, that's silly. Come right on up here. Why are you coming at me, bro? Okay, you see Kimball challenging my authority right now. Everybody sees it right now, right? She's throwing down, she wants a fight. If we're gonna fight, what's gonna happen? You can swing futilely at me if you want, huh? Like, I've, I mean, come on. I've got her, don't I? Like, she's not, I mean, she's, she's going down in a moment. Why? Because I got a lot of ballast, y'all. How old are you? 13. 13, it was a good fight, thank you. You get the, you get the point. 
It doesn't, like, it doesn't take a lot of force to move someone that's small. A child can be tossed to and fro. Every dad, every father knows this. All of us have just, woo, and you try to freak out your wife a little bit because you think you know what you're doing, and then you put your kid into the ceiling fan. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Got to be careful. Children can be tossed to and fro. You want to be stable. You want to be established, and that's point number two. Verse 14b, they're established and not easily deceived. They're stable because they're established. And so they don't fall for lies. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. There are people out there looking to push you over, to entrap you, to ensnare you, and destroy you. And then number three, they use the mature, the perfect, the mature use their mouth biblically. That's your next blank. They use their mouth biblically. What they speak facilitates the edification of others. It facilitates the building up of others in their faith. What they say helps people grow in Christ. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So look back at James chapter 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 3. Here James fleshes out the real issue. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth. Why? That they may obey us. So you got a big animal. He's bigger than you. He's faster than you. Is he stronger than you? I mean, you may think you're a bad mammer jammer, but if it was a straight up fight between you and a horse, he's going to turn you into paste, okay? We put, Abby's shaking her head back there. Do you think you can whip a horse? Oh, you hate horses. Oh. I thought you're back there like, no, 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 no. I can take a horse. Okay. Okay, you hate. Well, what did a horse ever do to you? Did you get bucked off one time? You were trying to ride and a horse bucked you off? Huh? Mason. Is that why you hate him? Because a horse bucked off your brother? Is Mason here tonight? Horse got him. Okay, everybody, next time you see Mason, you got to tell him. I mean, if, if you get bucked off, what do you got to do? Just tell him, get back on and ride, Mason. Okay. That's, no, horse could destroy. We put bits in horse's mouths that they may obey us. And then now what can we do? We turn, their, we turn about their whole body. All of that strength, all that power, all of that mass, you can move it wherever you want. And it's just, I mean, here's a large animal controlled by a little bit in their mouth. The, the bit is a very small thing comparatively to the horse. Verse 4, same illustration. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the, gover the governor listeth, wherever you want. So you've got a big ship empowered by, by, by the strength of these great winds and a very small member comparatively. It's a very small thing, just a rudder, a little board, can move it wherever the captain wants. Well, okay, you too have a very small thing comparatively, a very small member that can move mountains, whether for good or bad. Look at verse 5. Just like the horse, just like the ship, even so the tongue is a little member 
and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. With your mouth, just one little match, you can burn down everything. You can burn down everything in your life with just one little match. You know where that match is. It's your tongue. Did you get it? My son? Oh, no. I'm not very good at the serpent tongue thing. Praise the Lord. Okay. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts of great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, a planet of wickedness. You know the 70s Christian hippie song, It Only Takes a Spark to Get a Fire Going? Does anybody else grow up in Bible club singing that song? It only takes a spark to get a fire going. You guys know this song? Nobody knows this song. It's a great song, actually. That's how it is with God's love once you experience it. Okay, well, I got another verse for you. Let's see if I can do it. It, <laughs> it only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around can warm up in its glowing. That's how it is with your mouth. Once we've experienced it, it ignites all hell and spreads it all around and too many other people pass it on. Okay. You, you think I'm overstating the problem? Think again. We'll get back to this passage in our series, later on in our series. But look at what James says about what you can do with your mouth. So is the tongue among our members. It defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. You can tame, this whole planet has been tamed, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And with that tongue, verse nine, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings, uh, blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so, be, so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can in the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain yield, both yield salt water and fresh. How is it, Christian, that it's even, a, uh, that it, that it's even possible that any of this defilement can come out of a believer's mouth? See, here's the danger of our words. Our words are supposed to edify, but the danger is they can de-edify. In other words, they can destroy. What you say can be used of the enemy to destroy the people that God's placed in your life. Do you remember how we started this, this evening's Proverbs 18, 21? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. God help us. We need this series. Do you know how much division you cause in this local church by your mouth? 
I'll give you an example. Somebody frustrates you, and so now you're hurling angry, accusing words at them. Maybe you don't even understand everything that's going on. And I know where you learned that, those angry, accusing words. That's Satan's role. He's called the accuser of the brethren in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. And so now when we're not careful with our mouth, well, now we're not keeping Ephesians chapter 1. Look at Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4. Look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Paul tells the church to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called. So what does that look like? Verse 2, well, we're to walk with all lowliness and meekness with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And get this down in your notes. To the degree that we're divided and hurting one another, that is the extent to which the Holy Spirit is grieved. And the extent to which the Holy Spirit is grieved, that's the extent to which we're hindered in our local church ministry. We can't do anything without the blessing of the Holy Spirit. There's gotta be an anointing for ministry and instead of the Holy Spirit being free to 100% bless and anoint this ministry, there's so many places and pockets where he's grieved over our communication with one another. Because we're not edifying, uh, edifying one another, we're tearing one another down. You say, how are you making that application? Well, skip on down in Ephesians 4. Look at verse 29. I mean, if you're going to walk worthy, here it is. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying. If what you're saying isn't building up your brother or your sister, you're saying it wrong, go back to the drawing board. That it may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. So what do you do? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Conversely, verse 32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted and forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I mean, it just literally, in Ephesians 4 says it, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So put away evil speaking. Okay, before we finish tonight, we need a word of encouragement from James. Look at verse 13, James chapter three, verse 13. Here it is, here's that perfect man that can win. They have the ability to win uh, with people. Why? Because they're disciplined in the flesh. They're mature. This perfect man. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Okay, so we need to wise up. I mean, who's wise? Who's taken knowledge? What's the apostle James intimating here. Okay, you think you know something. You think you know th something. You think you understand something. Most people say, oh, well, then they should be saying something. Well, I, you know, you should say what you're told to say. But what James is saying here, if you think you know something, shut up and let how you live your life do the speaking for you. That's what he's saying. Show out of, I mean, just show a good conversation that you're living what you know, that you're not a hypocrite. So I'll give you two questions for consideration tonight and we're gonna break up and pray and then be dismissed. Uh, question number one is how I'm living as a Christian, matching the standard of what my mouth is proclaiming the right way to live to be. 
More importantly, does how I live match what the word of God proclaims as the way the perfect, wise, and knowledgeable live? Those are two questions I'd like us to keep in the back of our mind as we consider our communication, our comms, biblically. Brothers and sisters, I'm, I've been burdened for this for a long time. We need this series. We need to be informed on what the Word of God says about how we're to speak. And then we need to evaluate our lives. Are we in biblical compliance or not? Are we in biblical compliance over how we use our mouths to speak? Uh, again, we're going to cover these commands in no particular order. Um, there's far more than 10. I'm working to subcategorize them so I can come up with 10 commandments of communication. Why? Because uh, I'm obsessed about making it 10. Get over it. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, so here's what we need to do. We're going to dismiss right now. I just ask that everybody grab a prayer partner and just very, just very, uh, just very briefly call on the Lord to bless our time in this series, uh, to use it to mature and to help and, and, in, and in, in cases where it's needed to heal. And then pray, you know, we don't get everybody on Tuesday night. Pray that, that the whole of MBT, every member will get this content and get serious about it being reality in their life. Amen. Okay, everybody grab a prayer partner.